Hare Krishna. So today Shila Bhakti Siddhanta Sharishwati Thakur's disappearance day. And do you have the song copy of Jianilo Premunhana? Can everybody sing if I sing that one? It goes like Jianilo Premunhana Koruna Prachur. Hano Prabhu Kaha Gela Acharya Hano Prabhu Kotha Gela Acharya Thakur Kaha Moro Sharup Rupo Kaha Sanatan Kaha Dasho Rokhunatha Potito Pavan Kaha Moro Bhatta Jugo Kaha Kobiraj Eko Kale Kotha Gela Gaura Nataraj Pashane Kutibo Matha Anale Poshibo Gauranga Gunero Nidhi Kotha Gale Pabo Sheshava Shangir Shange Jekoilo Bilash Sheshanga Napaya Kande Narottamulash So did you also recite with me? Play the Mridanga Krishna Das who can play the harmonium? Jayanilo Primo Tano Koruna Prochu. Jayanilo Primo Dhana Koruna Prachu Kahamuru Bhattu Judo 
कहा कोबीरा कहा भट्ट जुग कहा कबीरा एको काले कोथा गेला गौर नटरा काले कोथा गेला गौर पाषाने कुटीब माथा अनले पशिव ने कुटीब माथा अनले पशिव गौरांग गुणेरो निधि कोथा गेले पावो गौरांग गुणेरो निधि कोथा गेले पावो शिशव संगीर संगे जे कोई बिला शिशव संगीर संगे जे कोई
শেষঙ্গনা পাইয়া কান্দে নরোত্তম শেষঙ্গনা পাইয়া কান্দে নরোত্তম যে আনিল প্রেম ধান করুণা প্রচু প্রভু কোথা গেলাচার্য হরে কৃষ্ণ হরে কৃষ্ণ 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 হরে 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 রাম হরে রাম 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 তাই গৌর হারি হরি 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 জয় ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সারস্বতী ঠাকুর সিদ্ধান্ত সারস্বতী ঠাকুর প্রেমানন্দে হরি হরি শিল ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সরস্বতী ঠাকুর কি যায় শিল ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সরস্বতী ঠাকুর ডিসঅ্যারেন্স ডে সেরিমনি কি গৌর প্রেমানন্দে হরি হরি সো শিল ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সরস্বতী ঠাকুর ইজ আওয়ার পরম গুরুদেব আওয়ার স্পিরিচুয়াল মাস্টার শিল প্রপাদ এন্ড হিজ স্পিরিচুয়াল মাস্টার শিল ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সরস্বতী ঠাকুর ভক্তি সিদ্ধান্ত সরস্বতী ঠাকুর অ্যাপিয়ার as the seventh son of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur. 
another great spiritual personality. Bhaktivinoda Thakur actually revived Krishna consciousness in the recent time. After Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's disappearance, gradually Krishna consciousness, his teachings disappeared. And then Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur came and revived Krishna consciousness. He was a deputy magistrate, very high-ranking government officer. <coughs> he was posted in Jagannath Puri in 1869. And in 1874, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur appeared as his son in Jagannath Puri. It is said that Bhakti Vinod Thakur appealed to Lord Jagannath. Jagannath actually appeared to him in a dream and told him that he'll have to spread Krishna consciousness, re-establish Krishna consciousness. And Bhakti Vinod Thakur's response was that I'm an old man entangled in the government service, entangled in my family responsibility. What can I do? But whatever you are saying may be possible if you send a qualified assistant to me <coughs> who will assist me in this mission. And as a result of that prayer of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Lord Jagannath sent Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur as his son. Recognizing that this is a gift of Lord Jagannath, Bhakti Vinod Thakur named him as Bimala Prashad. Why Bimala Prashad instead of Jagannath Prashad? Because all of Jagannath's Prashad goes to Bimala Devi. <coughs> and then the Prashad is distributed. So the real Prashad of Jagannath comes through Bimala Devi. So he was named as Bimala Prashad. Another very remarkable incident took place when the boy was just a, uh, a few months old, maybe three, four months old, yeah, about four months old. He was born uh, a few days before Gorpurnima festival and uh, it was about four and then it was during the Jagannath's chariot festival. Bhaktivinoda Thakur's house was on the way from Jagannath temple to Gundija temple, the road that Lord Jagannath's chariot moves. And in front of his house, the chariot stopped. And you know how it is. When Jagannath's chariot stops, no one can move it. 
Uh, it has been it's been happening since time immemorial. During Prataprudra's time also sometimes the chariot would stop. And King Prataprudra would try to make the chariot move with elephants and horses and uh, the chariot would move because this is the will of Jagannath. He moves according to his own will. And when Jagannath decides to move, he can move without anyone's help. And when Jagannath decides to stop, no one can move him. So taking advantage of that opportunity, Bhaktivinathaku's wife, Bhagavati Devi, took the little child to the chariot. And when he was taken at the feet of Lord Jagannath, Jagannath's garland fell on him, indicating that he was bestowing him his special blessings, special benediction. And soon after that, chariot started to move. So this was another indication that Jagannath actually stopped to bless his dear devotee. He was extremely brilliant, this uh, little boy. And <clears throat> he, when he was nine years old, he memorized all 700 verses of Bhagavad Gita. And not only that, at the age of nine, he started to also write poetry in Sanskrit. And uh, it was around that time, I mean, it was around when he was about six years old, Bhaktivinoda Thakur gave him the Harinam Diksha, Harinam. And from that age, he started to chant the holy name. He was completely absorbed in Krishna consciousness. An extremely brilliant student, very well-mannered, very well-behaved. When he was 16 years old, he formed a community of brahmacharis. He named it as August Assembly. And they were supposed to remain brahmachari throughout their lives, the members. The only person who stuck to that vow was Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. So that shows like from his even early youth, uh, from his boyhood, he had been so determined and in 1990, uh, he was initiated by Das Babaji Maharaj. That means at that time he was 26 years old. He asked his father, who should I take initiation from? Because one doesn't take initiation from his father. So, his father directed him to Gaur Kishordas Babaji Maharaj. Now Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was one of the most learned scholar of that time. And Gaur Kishordas Babaji Maharaj was totally illiterate. 
of course it's past times so when he approached Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj for initiation Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj refused he said I am illiterate you are so scholarly how can I give you initiation so he reasoned with him that initiation is not a matter of scholarship initiation is a matter of devotion it's only the devotees of the Lord who is qualified to give initiation, not the scholars. <clears throat> I'm approaching you not because of your scholarship or whatever. I'm approaching you because of your devotion to the Lord. Gorkishudas Babaji Maharaj said, okay, I'll consult with Krishna and tell you. After a few days, Bhaktisiddhanta Sri Thakur, his name actually was Bimala Prashad. So uh, he approached him and Gorkishudar Babaji Maharaj said, Oh, I forgot to ask him. So in this way, it went on for a few times. So finally, Bhaktisiddhanta Sri Thakur told him that uh, you are the follower of the biggest cheat. So I can see that you are cheating me. <laughs> so if you cheat me in this way and deprive me from your mercy, then I'll go and drown myself in the river. And Gorkishudas Babaji Mahesh told him, I am also thinking of drowning myself. <laughs> but I decided not to because when one commits suicide he becomes a ghost so I don't want to take that chance <laughs> take the risk so this is how it went on for a few, few times and then finally Gorkishore Dal Babaji Maharaj agreed to give him initiation he was the only person he gave initiation to although he was a pure devotee of the Lord and he gave him such a beautiful name. Uh, so this is how we can see that his, you know, the apparent illiteracy was just an external thing, just a show. He was a, such a great scholar. He named him as Sri Barshobhanavi Devi Doitodash. Isn't it a beautiful name? Even the sound of it. <laughs> And the meaning of it, Sri Barshobhanavi Devi Daita Das. Barshobhanavi Devi is Srimati Radharani. Daita means lover. The lover of Srimati Radharani. Who is the lover of Srimati Radharani? Krishna is Das, his servant. So, <coughs> Bhakti Siddhanta Sri Thakur soon after his initiation started to travel. He spent some time at Jagannath Puri and then after that he went to South India. He traveled quite extensively and in, when in South India he actually delved quite deep into the Ramanuja Sampradaya and Madhva Sampradaya. Then he came back and he took a vow of chanting 
one billion name of the Lord. Shato Koti Nam. One Koti is ten million, so hundred multiplied by ten is one thousand. So one thousand million names that amounts to uh, one billion. In 1914, Srila Bhakti Vinod left his body. 1915, Gaur Kishore Das Bajai Maharaj left his body. So, at that time, he was very heartbroken because he didn't have proper association. Like, anyway, so, then he decided to start preaching. He was being inspired by his spiritual master and, and father. So in 1918, he took sannyas from his, from this picture of Srila Gorkishwadras Babaji Maharaj. And so he was very, uh, uh, I mean, he took this mission of preaching Krishna consciousness very seriously. And uh, soon after that, in 19, soon at, it's a, practically around that time, he got a place in Calcutta. Prior to that, he was spending most of his time in Navadip. And now he moved to Calcutta to preach. And he got this place at one, number one, Ultadanga Junction Main Road. Fortunately, by Krishna's mercy, Iskon now has got the place. We bought it. So there, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaku started his first preaching mission center. Initially, he called this place as Bhaktivinod Asan, the seat of Bhaktivinod Thakur. Then he named it as Vishwa Vaishnav Raj Sabha. The, the Royal Assembly of the international Vaishnavas, Vishya all over the world. So you can see that he had that vision. Bhakti Vinod Thakur actually established that Vishya Vaishnava Raj Sava already in 19, I mean sorry, 1885. It was actually the concept of Srila Jiva Goswami. Vishya means the whole world, entire world. Vaishnava, Vaishnavas. Raj Sabha, Raj means royal and Sabha means assembly. The royal assembly of the international assembly of or you can say international royal assembly of Vaishnavas. So we can see Srila Prabhupada actually took the name the International Society for Krishna Consciousness in line with that concept. 
and but then he changed the name to Gaudiamat finally and he started his preaching those days most of the educated very exalted Indians especially in that area Calcutta area became affected by that and then uh, he made 18 sannyasis and sent them around to preach so they went they went out preaching all over India and as a result of that Krishna consciousness spread those days he established 64 temples all over India what a massive achievement those days communication was not so easy like nowadays to establish 64 successful temples he sent some of his disciples also to the West because his idea was to preach to the West but unfortunately they were not successful so eventually Srila Prabhupada went and fulfilled that mission Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarshi Thakur uh, we can see like he was preaching so so effectively that Prabhupada, our spiritual master, during his first visit to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur became so impressed. He saw that this person is actually going to do something about Krishna, spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. And during the first meeting, what did Prabhupada, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur told Srila Prabhupada, Educate, educated young men like you, why don't you take up this mission and spread this mission all over the world through English language. So English language <coughs> by the time, by the, uh, we can see, became the international language, world language. So Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasidhaka wanted Prabhupada to preach through English. And Prabhupada did that, not only preached in English to the Western community, he wrote so many books. All his books are actually in English. So in this way, Srila uh, Prabhupada was inspired and we can well imagine how so many people must have been inspired by him in this way. And uh, he had such brilliant personalities as his disciples. I had the good fortune to meet with some of them, become quite close to some of them. And we could see how brilliant they were. One of them is Srila Sridhar Maharaj, Prabhupada's godbrother. They had a very close relationship. Sridhar Maharaj used to even stay at Prabhupada's house in Calcutta the early days, in the forties, early forties. And because Goryama disintegrated because of the internal strife, 
So Srila Sridhar Maharaj used to stay at Bhakti Srila Prabhupada's house. And like I, I personally saw he was such a brilliant personality. Just to give an idea, like he's writing poetry in Sanskrit. Uh, he has some one poetry in I think 72 verses he is glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it goes like Deva Siddha Jukta Mukta Bhakta Vrinda Banditam Tapu 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 Dagdha Dukha Khanditam Krishna Nama Siddhu Dhamma Dhanna Dana Sagaram Deva Siddha Jukta Mukta Bhakta Vrinda Banditam Krishna Nama Siddhu Dhamma Dhanna Dana Sagaram In this way, and then one, another poetry he is actually glorifying Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur. Uh, that was as we often sing, Pranamami Sada Prabhupada Padam. Not nowadays so much. It was actually his uh, poetry. He's saying, Bhaya Bhanjana Jaya Shangshana Karunayata Nayanam Kanakotpalo Janakotjala Rashushagara Chayanam Mukhurikrita Dharani Taladavrabhijani Jadaitam Pranamami Chacharanantika Parichara Sahitam Also, <coughs> anyway, he was, I mean, we can see like such brilliant personalities and many great uh, eminent thinkers and philosophers not only from Calcutta or Bengal but even from Delhi, Madras, Bombay accepted his initia- accepted initiation from him, discipleship from him. So in this way you can see Shab, within such a short time, within just 12 years time actually, from 1920 to 1932-33, it spread Krishna consciousness so effectively all over India. And uh, we see the result, Srila Prabhupada, his true successor, what did he do? Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur wanted uh, to fulfill the prediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. He was not interested in just having a small little setup. He wanted to spread, he was not satisfied just spreading it in India. He wanted it to spread it all over the world. And he patronized the passage of his disciples to go to the West, those days. However, when Srila Prabhupada went to America, when Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur was present on the planet, Prabhupada was in his household life. 
so he was not able to assist him so nicely at that time. And Bhaktisiddhanta Swarashitthapur knew that in due course of time he would do something amazing. He told his this other disciples, also leading disciples, let him be. Uh, at one time when Prabhupada was in Bombay, his godbrothers wanted him to become the president of Bombay Temple. And they proposed to Bhaktisiddhanta Swarashitthapur. So Bhaktisiddhanta Swarashitthapur said, there is no need to engage him now. In course of time, in due course of time, he will achieve amazing things. And you can see that he had, he could see it, what Prabhupada is going to do. And <clears throat> unfortunately, soon after his disappearance, there had been an internal strife. The members of Gauriyama started to fight among themselves over property, over position, over guruship and all kinds of things. And disintegrated. But Mahaprabhu's mission is meant to carry on. So although Gauriyama disintegrated, Prabhupada came. And from the ruins of Gauriyamat, he actually created Iskon. At least in our mind, it is clear that Iskon is the continuity of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Swarashanti Thakur's mission. The name may have changed from Gauriyamat, it may have become Iskon, but in spirit, the real spirit of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Swarashanti Thakur is flowing through Iskon. And uh, we have a great mission to accomplish. Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur wanted that this movement should spread all over the world, in every town and village. Srila Prabhupada was convinced about that and uh, he did that, spread it all over the world. Now we have to continue. This is just the beginning. So become the true followers of Srila Bhaktivinoda Bhakti Thakur and Srila Prabhupada and Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Those who are young, commit yourself. Just as Prabhupada told me during our first one of the early meetings, just offer this life to Krishna. Because it is the spirit of the youth that things happen. Like uh, when you are young, you can commit yourself fully. And this kind of dedication is needed to spread Krishna consciousness. And those who are in household life, uh, consider how to get out of it as soon as possible. Uh, don't get stuck. Uh, 
forever. Anyway, like, go through that phase, uh, take care of your household responsibilities, but make it a point that uh, you have to come out of it. That is the Vedic culture. Grihastha, then Banaprastha. Uh, not lifelong Grihastha life. Uh, Vedic culture doesn't allow one to die as a Grihastha. <laughs> Leave your body. Uh, and the wives, the mothers, be prepared for that. You know, Be the real inspiration to your husbands. Don't tie, the, tie them down to the material household. Push them to go out and spread Krishna consciousness. And that is the ideal wife. An ideal wife doesn't make the husband tied down to the materialistic way of life. Because an ideal wife knows that she is going to get the credit for her husband's spiritual achievement. So let uh, the husbands acquire uh, a lot of spiritual piety, spiritual assets, and then he will benefit from that also. Don't let them become handpicked. <laughs> you see, my business is to do this, speak like this. I know that I am not going to be very popular <laughs> among certain... <laughs> and it's happening, I am seeing devotees are you know, disentangling themselves and coming into the full-time service. Of course, in a responsible way. Husband, uh, the wives are taken care of properly and then they are coming out and taking the responsibility. Look at uh, Bhakti Vinod Thakur's life. Uh, district magistrate, deputy magistrate, big government officer, quit his job. Look at Prabhupada. Uh, at the age of 26, uh, soon after he met, practically a, a couple of days after he met Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, he made his decision. He was a manager of a pharmaceutical company, quit his job. He was married, he had a son, quite his job. And <clears throat> Prabhupada himself said that uh, eventually I left my family and my children and today I have hundreds of children, thousands of children. Uh, I left a home with a few children but now I have thousands of children. So this is what we are here for. Krishna consciousness is a serious business. The serious business is to make this, this life our ultimate success. And the ultimate success is commitment to Krishna Consciousness.
we'll we'll come to that today also during krishna's i mean we'll uh during our krishna katha session so <clears throat> please take up this responsibility very seriously remembering what our uh, what our previous acharyas what our uh, grandparents have set up for us and what is their expectation what they want from us let us seriously consider that thank you all very much shilobakti siddhanta sarashati thakur ki today we will uh, have arati i mean uh, pushpanjali and then arati of shilobakti siddhanta sarashati thakur at 11 at 1210 so we'll class, finish the class maybe we'll try to finish it about 5 minutes before 12 so that we have about 15 minutes to go and get ready and <coughs> so to go back to krishna katha uh, krishna's uh, past times in dwarka krishna when he was in his guru's ashram had a friend he was a brahmana uh, and his name was sudama Sudama was quite detached the brahmanas basically are detached uh, because they are absorbed in uh, brahman realization they are absorbed in transcendental realization their mind is not stuck here the mind is there at the lotus feet of krishna so sudama was not interested in material prosperity whatever used to come on its own he used to be happy with that but his wife was feeling the pinch of maintaining the family maintaining the household and that is the thing like the women actually have the responsibility to take care of the household so husbands can be bolanath <laughs> but uh, the mataji's uh, unless they are annapurna they have trouble <clears throat> so and so she used to tell sudama uh, the husband about uh, just consider you know like there is no food at home and you know like but we have to feed the children we have so many other responsibilities so one day she told that you always speak about your friend krishna Uh, who is the husband of Lakshmi Devi? So why don't you go to him and ask for 
some wealth so that at least we can lead a comfortable life or rather trouble-free, anxiety-free life. Sudama was not so keen to go out to Krishna and ask for financial gain, financial benefit. But he liked that idea because that would give him an opportunity to visit Krishna. Uh, he thought, uh, yeah. So he agreed to go. His wife thought that some he should carry at least something to go, since he was going to meet him. It's a Vedic culture, it's a custom that when one goes to meet somebody, uh, gets something, carries something to give him, offer him. So <coughs> she uh, baked some flat rice, chip rice, pohaya. Hmm. So, <clears throat> and she tied it up in a piece of cloth, a worn out piece of cloth. And so Sudama took that and went to meet Krishna, went to Dwarka and saw the opponents. He was awestruck. He could never even he'd never seen such opulence, he never could dream of such opulence. And he was feeling a little hesitant at heart. In such opulence, when Krishna is surrounded by so many people, will he remember me? Will he recognize me? And, and he noticed one thing, that although the guards were very, very carefully selecting the entrance, the allowing people to come in, but they were very uh, open to the Brahmana. Sudama, they were very respectful. Oh, please, please, uh, come in, come in. And when they heard that he was wanted to meet Krishna, they immediately escorted him to Krishna. Oh, you came to see uh, Krishna, so please, our Lord. So they escorted him to Krishna. He felt quite uh, comfortable, Sudama, that after all, although I'm so shabbily dressed, uh, I mean, he was seeing all the people, those who are there, they were such, wearing such royal attires, bedecked with such precious jewels and ornaments, and they are not being allowed. <laughs> oh, where are you coming from? Who are you? Okay, come some other time, not now. Did you have an appointment? No. Okay, make an appointment. <laughs> so, so, but Sudama, I mean, although he was feeling so uncomfortable that they may not even allow him to go in, but the treatment that he got, he felt quite uh, reassured. But still, he was thinking that I am telling that them that I'm. I am a friend of Krishna from his childhood. And what will happen? I mean, that's why probably they are giving me so much honor. Now, what will happen if Krishna doesn't recognize me? He may say, well, who is it? And he heard about things like that happening. Like when Dronacharya 
went to meet Drupa, they were childhood friends. And Dronacharya actually promised him that when he becomes the king, he would give him half the kingdom. But when Dronacharya went to Drupa, Drupa refused to recognize him. So he was wondering, can such thing happen to me also, in my case also, if Krishna fails to recognize me, then what will happen? So Krishna was, then Sudama was taken to the palace of the principal queen, Rukmini's palace. And as soon as Krishna saw him from a distance, he just got up and came rushing and said, Sudama, <laughs> where you been all this while? I'm so happy to see you, saying that he just embraced and, and Sudama was feeling quite embarrassed. Oh, I'm so shabbily dressed. My uh, thing, my dhoti is, uh, has stitches in 75 places. <laughs> my chadar uh, barely covers my body. And that also has so many stitches. And here this, the Lord of the universe is embracing me. Then Krishna took Sudama and made him sit on his throne and he himself washed his feet while Rukmini was fanning Mahalakshmi was fanning him so and Sudama although delighted but he was feeling very very embarrassed and So the description here, I'll just read out from Srimad Bhagavatam. Sudama's wife baked four handful of rice, of flat rice, from neighboring brahmanas, tied up, in a, tied up the rice in a torn piece of cloth and gave it to her husband as a present for Lord Krishna. Lord Krishna seated his friend Sudama upon the bed. Then the Lord who purifies the whole world personally offered him various tokens of respect and washed his feet. After which he sprinkled the water on his own head. He anointed him with divinity, divinity, divinely fragrant sandalwood, oguru and kumkum pes and happily worshipped him with aromatic incense and arrays of lamps. After finally offering him betel nut and the gifts of a cow, he welcomed him with, with pleasing words. By fanning him with her chamara, the divine goddess of fortune personally served that poor brahmana whose clothing was torn and dirty and who was so thin that veins were visible all over his body. The people in royal palace were astonished to see Krishna, the lord of spotless glory, so lovingly honor this shabbily dressed Brahmana. That is the Vedic culture and that is how the Supreme Personality of Godhead establishes that culture. Then Krishna told Sudama, <coughs> My dear Sudama, you know well the ways of dharma. 
after you offered the gifts of remuneration to our guru and returned home from the school did you marry a compatible wife or not <laughs> unlike me <laughs> even though you are mostly involved in household affairs your mind is not affected by material desires nor o learned one do you take much pleasure in the pursuit of material wealth this i am well aware of because as the super soul krishna knows everything i the soul of all beings am not as satisfied by ritual worship brahmanical initiation penances or self discipline as i am by faithful service rendered to one spiritual master o brahmana do you remember what happened to us while we were living with our spiritual master once our guru's wife sent us to fetch firewood and after we entered the vast forest an unusual storm arose an unseasonal storm arose with fierce wind and rain and harsh thunder then as the sun set the forest was covered by darkness in every direction and with all the flooding we could not distinguish high land from low constantly besieged by the powerful wind and rain we lost our way amidst the flooding waters we simply held each other's hands and in great distress wandered aimlessly about the forest so that is how they got they lost their way in the forest that night and they spent the whole night in the forest and their guru became so concerned that the whole night he couldn't sleep what happened to these two boys krishna and sudama and then in the morning uh, he just came to look for them in the forest our guru sandipani muni understanding our predicament set out after sunrise to search for us his disciples and found us in distress so this is how they recalled their childhood days in guru's ashram then krishna asked sudama you must have brought something for me <laughs> Sudama was feeling so embarrassed. Look what did he bring? <laughs> uh, like just some uh, chipped rice that also tied up in a, in a worn-out, dirty cloth. But then Krishna actually quoted a verse that we all know very well: "Patram pushpam phalam toyam." <laughs> जो मे भक्ता प्रजछति तदहम भक्ति उपरहितम अश्नामी प्रजतात्मनः कृष्ण रिसाइटेड दैट वर्स एक्चुअली फ्रॉम एंड दैट ही आल्सो स्पोक इन भगवत गीता नाइन्थ चैप्टर 
Being the direct witness in the hearts of all living beings, Lord Krishna fully understood why Sudama had come to see him. Thus he thought, In the past my friend has never worshipped me out of a desire for material opulence, but now he comes to me to satisfy his chaste and devoted wife. I'll give him riches that even the immortal demigods cannot obtain. So Krishna resolved that that's what he'll do. <laughs> and thinking like this, the Lord snatched from Brahmana's garment the grains of flat the grains of flat rice tied up in an old piece of cloth and exclaimed, "What is this?" After saying this, the Supreme Lord opened that packet and ate one palmful and was about to eat a second one. And when he was eating that, he said, Oh, chipped rice, flat rice. I didn't have chipped rice for so many years. Sudama, you are so great. You brought some chipped rice for me. So this is how Krishna was exclaiming. Huh? And, and then he took one handful. And as he was about to take the second one, Rukmini Devi held his hand. And she said, this is more than enough. O soul of the universe, to secure him an abundance of all kinds of wealth in this world and the next. Uh, this one handful, one palmful uh, of chip tries is enough uh, to secure him an abundance of all kinds of wealth in this world and the next. So this is the benefit of offering to Krishna. So don't be miserly when it comes to making offerings to Krishna. <laughs> Although he had apparently received no wealth from Lord Krishna, Sudama was too shy to beg for it on his own. He <laughs> so this is a devotee. <laughs> Even though he came to the Lord to ask for something, he can't ask. Sudama couldn't ask anything from Krishna. He simply returned home feeling perfectly satisfied to have had this to have had the Supreme Lord's audience. He was so happy that just he met Krishna and he was happily going back home. Sudam, but when Sudama came to his home, he f he was wondering, I did I come to the wrong place? <laughs> Must be. Where is my where is my cottage? Where is my kutia? Or did some rich man take over and build his palace here during my absence? And he was wondering, then he saw his wife uh, dressed like a queen coming in, <laughs> held his hand, took he ushered him inside. Uh, thinking thus to himself, Sudama finally came to a place where his home stood. But that place now looked 
place was now crowded on all sides with towering celestial palaces rivaling the combined brilliance of the sun, fire and the moon. The splendorous courtyards and gardens, each filled with flocks of queen birds and beautified by ponds in which Kumuda, Ambhoja, Kalhar and Utpal lotuses grew. Finally, attired men and doe-eyed women stood in attendance. Sudama wondered, What is all this? Whose property is that? How has this all come about? So this is how <coughs> Sudama was rewarded by Krishna for his devotion. Although the other day we briefly discussed about uh, the consideration uh, that Krishna's devotees are poor. <laughs> this is actually uh, this is actually proving that concept to be wrong. In a similar thing also happened to the fruit vendor. She not only found that her basket of fruits now became a basket full of gems. Uh, the most precious gems. But when she went home, she saw she used to live at the outskirts of the city and uh, she found that there is a palace. And in her case, her, her husband came out dressed like a king <laughs> and uh, greeted her. So this is how Krishna rewards when we offer something to him with love. Hmm. Just offering is not enough. Uh, the main consideration is love and devotion. Jome bhakta prajachati. The question may arise the Sudama just gave some chipped rice, and every day we are offering such Rajboga. <laughs> Why aren't we getting things like that? The simple answer to that is, what is the extent of devotion? That is what really will count. Do it with love, do it with devotion, for Krishna's pleasure. <clears throat> so, then we go into the episode of Krishna and Balaram along with Subhadra going to Kurukshetra. You know the special occasion? Not to fight the battle, but on the occasion of solar eclipse. Uh, it was a custom in India to, since time immemorial, that during solar eclipse, people from all over India go to Samantapanchak in Kurukshetra. Samantapanchak is a lake which was created by Parashuram. Parashuram <laughs> annihilated the Kshatriyas 21 times. And with their blood he actually created that lake. And that place has been considered to be a holy place. So holy 
that when the whole atmosphere becomes contaminated due to the solar eclipse, people take bath in order to be free from that contaminating influence of solar eclipse. Uh, solar eclipse is an inauspicious time when Rahu is swallowing sun god, Surya Dev. Because Surya and Chandra reported to Krishna. How many of you know this anecdote? How many of you don't know about it? Okay, I guess I have to tell that. Krishna actually advised the demigods to make uh, uh, make a, a truce with the demons to churn the milk ocean to get the nectar. <clears throat> so they uh, made a truce and demons thought, okay, that's not a bad idea. Uh, We'll take the help of the demigods to churn the milk ocean to get the nectar. But when you get the nectar, we'll just snatch it away from them. <laughs> so that's why they agreed uh, in that pact. So that's the demoniac mentality. They join hands with others uh, to ultimately cheat that person and uh, possess the benefit. Anyway, so demons and demigods, Daitas and Adittas, the Suras and the Danavas and Devas uh, made a pact to churn the milk ocean. <clears throat> so uh, milk ocean was churned. So a lot of things happened. I mentioned the other day about one happening at that time uh, to display the strength of Garuda. So, churning the milk ocean is not an easy job. Uh, so, it needs a churning rod. Uh, so, what will be the churning rod? The churning rod will be the Mandar mountain, uh, which is a few miles, uh, few jojanas high. And it was so heavy, the demigods and Danavas and Devas jointly carrying, but still they couldn't carry it. They dropped it. So when their effort was foiled in this way, then uh, the Lord came riding on Garura. And he, with his left hand, picked it up, placed it on Garura. And Garura flew to milk, carried the mountain to the milk ocean. Then they had another, and there they made Basuki, the chart, the rope for churning. Then the king of the serpents, uh, Nagraj Vasuki. But when they placed the mountain in the middle of the ocean, it sank. The ocean is so deep that even the Mandar mountain, which is few Jojanas high, it sank. By the way, one Jojana is eight miles. Uh, so ten de Jojanas would mean uh, eighty miles. Anyway, so so then again the Lord came to their uh, rescue. Uh, 
What did he do? He assumed the form of a tortoise, Kurma Rupa. Assumed the form of a tortoise and the thing, the mountain was placed on his back. And that's how they charmed it. And during the charming, one side took the demigods, the one side of Bashuki, the and the demons took the other side. So when it was proposed that the demigods would take the mouth's side of Basuki, the, the demons protested. Who do you think we are? We go to, we take the tail? <laughs> I mean, why do you have to always favor the demigods? You want to give them the better side to chant, better side to pull, and give us the tail? So Narayan knew what the demon's mentality was, which was fine. And the demons took the mouth side and when uh, they were chanting, Bashukid out of exhaustion was breathing so heavily that the poisonous breath was actually coming onto the demons. <laughs> Whereas the demigods were chanting at the tail part which part was quite cool. <laughs> and anyway, so this is how the chanting took place. <clears throat> and eventually, uh, finally from the chanting, uh, came out the nectar. Dhanvantari came out with the nectar. Pot of nectar. So, <clears throat> as soon as he came out, the demons stole that nectar. Then among themselves they started to fight. I'll be the first one to drink. He said, no, I'll be the first one to drink. They started to snatch the pot among themselves. And as a result of that, some nectar fell in four different places. Do you know what are those four different places? Four different places are the places where Kumbh Mela takes place. And one of them is where you are sitting. Uh, that's how uh, Ujjain is so auspicious place. The other place is Ilhabad, uh, Prayag, Haridwar and Nasik. Anyway, so when, <coughs> then finally, when the demons were fighting like that, the Lord appeared as Mohini in a female form. And seeing him, the demons, uh, who are naturally lusty, they got completely bewildered. They forgot about the nectar, they just kept on looking at her. <laughs> it's just spellbound. And then she quietly took the pot away from their hands and said, So, I will... Uh, I'll distribute this. Uh, so go take your bath and come back. So then they came back and sat down. And by the Lord's illusory potency, the de demigods became quite bewildered. They were sitting there while the Lord was Mohini, as Mohini Murti was pouring the nectar only to the demigods. 
and they were completely enchanted by her beauty that and so rahu one demon called rahu he recognized something is going wrong so he came and sat in the line of the demigods <coughs> mohini put nectar in his cup but surya dev and chandra dev noticed it that he is a demon he is not a demigod so he reported hey, this is not a demigod that's a demon so as soon as krishna heard that he released his sudarshan chakra cut off his head the head of the demon but because some nectar went in his body uh, although cut into pieces cut in two pieces uh, became immortal and uh, this rahu the head part is called rahu and the uh, the torso the body part is called ketu and this rahu actually occasionally swallows sun and moon and that swallowing of sun and moon causes the solar and lunar eclipse so anyway huh, during the solar eclipse the demigods i'm sorry uh, the inhabitants of this earth planet go to uh, uh, go to samantapanchak in kurukshetra and so uh krishna also went there and other uh, exalted personalities also went so there they met there is then finally krishna met the gopis actually the anyway i'll just now go into the ratha jatra aspect of it so <clears throat> krishna left vrindavan when he was only about 15 years old and for about 100 years krishna didn't go to vrindavan so after 100 years Uh, in the kurukshetra krishna came and the residents of vrindavan also came and when they got to know that krishna was there they were actually preparing to leave when they were preparing to leave uh, they got to know the residents of vrindavan that krishna was there so they ran to meet krishna at that time krishna also was on the chariot about to leave so seeing the residents of vrindavan his dear devotees krishna assumed the form of jagannath his face lit up with a beautiful smile his eyes bloomed like to fully bloom lotuses his hands were stretched out stretched forward 
with a desire to embrace those dear devotees. So that is how Krishna actually assumed that form of Jagannath. Just by seeing his devotees after such a long time, he felt such intense love for them that he assumed that form. That's why Jagannath's form is so special. Where the Lord is yearning to embrace his devotees. At that time Radharani was there, he, she did not feel happy about that situation. This has been described by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when during the Ratha time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing one song which sounded like a mundane love song. Jokomaru Haro Shoye Bohi Parastan, Stechaitra Krapa, Stechon Militomaluti Surabhayo, Prora Kadambanila. The one who stole my heart when I was a maiden. <coughs> now he is my Lord. And it's the same night of springtime. The beautiful fragrance of Malati flowers, the air is, breeze is carrying the beautiful fragrance of Malati flowers from the direction of the Kadamba tree. And it's me, the same lover, the beloved, with my lover. But still my heart is yearning, my heart is hankering to go back to the go under the Betushi tree on the bank of Reba River. Reba Rodhashi Betushi Torutale Chetuch Samutkantati. No one could understand why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing that song. Because apparently it's just a uh, love song, mundane love song. But then after Ratijatra was over, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu one day went to Haridas Thakur's place. Rupa Goswami was there, but at that time he went to take his bath in the river, in the in the ocean. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, while he was waiting, <coughs> he saw that one th palm leaf was stuck on the ceiling. So he pulled out of curiosity, he pulled it out and he saw a poetry as Varshloka is written in a beautiful handwriting. And it says, Priya Krishna Sahachari, my dear friend, I am Radha, the, the companion or consort of Sri Krishna. I am the same expert in uh, the loving exchange and I met him in, the, in Kurukshetra. Priya Krishna Sahachari Kurukshetra Milita. 
I met Krishna in Kurukshetra. And, uh, but still, my heart is yearning to go back to the forest of Vrindavan on the bank of Jamuna. The place which is filled with the sound of Krishna's flute playing the fifth note. Madhura Murali Panchamadyushe. So, <clears throat> now you see the link uh, that what Mahaprabhu was singing was Srimati Radharani's words. I met Krishna uh, who stole my heart. Jaku Maruharu. And today, although I met him, but I'm not happy to see him. My heart is yearning to go back to the bank of Jamuna in the forest of Vrindavan, where the whole atmosphere is filled with the fifth note of Krishna's flute. So when Rupa Goswami came back, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu slapped him affectionately on his back. He said, How could you read my mind? How could you read my mind? Because uh, this was uh, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing. Then Sarup Damodar said, Who can ever understand your mind? You must have bestowed your special mercy to Rupa. And that's why he could understand what's in your mind. Then Mahaprabhu admitted, Yes, Rupa is very dear to me. So, when Krishna saw, when Radharani saw Krishna, she was not happy because this is not the Krishna that she knew. This is not the Krishna that she wants. This Krishna is uh, my Krishna in Vrindavan. Is a cowherd boy, but this Krishna is a prince. My Krishna wears yellow silk garments. But this Krishna is wearing a royal robe. My Krishna has a peacock feather on his head. This Krishna has a crown. My Krishna wears a flower garland. But this Krishna is wearing necklaces and precious jewels, ornaments with precious jewels. My Krishna carries a flute in his hand, but this Krishna is carrying weapons in his hand. Vrindavan where we meet, the place is so serene, but this place is so full of noise. The elephants are trumpeting, the horses are neighing, the clamor of the striking of weapons and people are talking. So uh, Radharani was not satisfied. So understanding her mind, the devotees of Vrindavan got hold of the chariot. Along with the horses they started to pull the chariot towards Vrindavan. So that is uh, Jagannath, Paladev and Subhadra.
in the chariot and they are taking them to Vrindavan. So that is the Rathajatra festival. Here also in Srimad Bhagavatam, there is some exchange between Krishna and the gopis. Uh, <clears throat> Lord Krishna said, My dear girlfriends, do you still remember me? It was for my relative's sake that I stayed away so long, intent on destroying my enemies. Do you perhaps think I am ungrateful and thus hold me in contempt? After all, it's the Supreme Lord who brings living beings together and then separates them. Just as the wind brings together masses of clouds, blades of grass, whips of cotton and particles of dust, only to scatter them all again, so the Creator deals with His created beings in the same way. Rendering devotional service to me qualifies any living being for eternal life. But by your good fortune you have developed a special loving attitude towards me by which you have obtained me. So that is the special devotion of the gopis of Vrindavan. So when they met, this is another aspect of the union in Kurukshetra, the family members met. There is an uh, elaborate description of how they met. But during their meeting, uh, one interesting uh, thing, conversation came up. Draupadi asked the queens, uh, Will you please tell me how you all got married to Krishna? And uh, Sridhopadi said, O Bhaidarbhi, Bhadra and Jambavati, O Kaushala, Sattabhama and Kalindi, O Saibha, Rohini, Lakshmana and other wives of Lord Krishna, please tell me how the Supreme Lord Achyuta, imitating the ways of this world by his mystic power, came to marry each of you. So this is how they approached uh, the queens and the queens then started to describe. Uh, Sri Rukmini said, when all the kings held their bows at the, at the, ready, uh, at the ready to assure that I would be presented to Shishupal, he who puts the dust of his feet on the heads of inconceivable warriors took me from the midst as a lion forcibly takes his prey from the midst of goats and ships. May I always be allowed to worship those feet of Lord Krishna, the abode of goddess of fortune. So this we described before also, how Krishna took Rukmini away like uh, most of the times there had been such opposition uh, 
and Krishna took the took his queens. And it, as it has been described, like just as a lion from the middle of some sh- goats and sheep take away his prey. Sri Sattvama said, My father, his heart tormented by his brother's death, accused Krishna of killing him to remove the stain of his reputation. The Lord defeated the king. The Lord defeated the king of the bears and took back the Shamantaka jewel, which he then returned to my father. Fearing the consequences of his offense, my father offered me to the Lord, even though I had already been promised to others. So who she was promised to? Yes, we just discussed that, the other day. And who, who remembers who she was promised to? Huh? Satudhanya, yeah. And that's why Satudhan actually killed Satrajit. And then Krishna killed Satudhan. <laughs> Jambavati said, Unaware that Lord Krishna was none other than his own master and worshipable deity, the husband of Goddess Sita, my father fought with him for twenty-seven days. When my father finally came to his senses and recognized the Lord, he took hold of his feet and presented him with both me and the Samantaka jewel as tokens of his reverence. I am simply the Lord's maidservant. Although we discussed about this the other day, we can just go through it briefly. Then Kalindi said, the Lord knew I was performing severe austerities and penances with the hope of one day touching his lotus feet. So he came to me in the company of his friend and took my hand in marriage. Now I am engaged as a sweeper in his palace. Mitravinda said, at my Sayambara ceremony, he came forward, defeated all the kings present, including my brothers, who dared insult him and took me away just as a lion removes his prey from the midst of a pigs of dogs. Thus Lord Krishna, the shelter of the goddess of fortune, brought me to his capital city. May I be allowed to serve him by washing his feet life after life. Anyway, so this is how different queens actually narrated how they got married to Krishna. Okay. <clears throat> then when Krishna was there in the Kurukshetra, then the sages came to see him and Balaram. 
they were they included Daipayan, Narad, Chavan, Devala, Asita, Vishamitra, Satan, Sat, Satananda, Bharadaj and Gautam. Lord Parashuram and his disciples, Vashishta, Galava, Bhrigu, Pulasta, and Kashyapa, Atri, Markandeya, and Brihaspati, Dvita, Trita, Ekata, and fourth Kumaras, and Angira, Agastha, Jagavalka, and Bhavandev, they all were present at that time. They are all most exalted saintly personalities. And just by seeing them, uh, all the kings and respectable persons, they stood up. Again, that is the Vedic culture. Uh, even the kings would treat a uh, uh, a sadhu hmm, with so much respect. But then unfortunately that culture is lost in India. In the early days I remember this. Uh, when somebody went to somebody's house wearing saffron, people were so respectful. But nowadays they lost that respect and we can't blame them for that. Uh, because what people are doing wearing saffron, they're just taking undue advantage of their weakness. That's why they don't. Uh, when they see that the worst cheaters are cheating wearing saffron, they tend to think that anybody who is wearing saffron must be a cheat. The other day, uh, one very wealthy lady. Uh, was telling me that she is also very, very closely connected to another very wealthy family, very wealthy, famous Indian family. And that person's friend, that person's wife is a friend. And she was, she introduced me to her also. But then she was telling me that, you know, when she got to know that we are, I'm getting close to ISKCON, she told, be careful, they're all after money. <laughs> so, so this is one thing we have to be very careful about, that we don't give the wrong impression to people. Uh, we are not interested in money. Uh, we shouldn't be. Uh, that kind of impression shouldn't be there. And it's not that, like, I mean, practically everybody kind of feels that way because you know they are being cheated and so uh, but we can see all the saintly people as they arrived the the assembled kings and uh, respectable members of different royal families they immediately stood up and greeted them with great respect. And <clears throat> and they worshipped them, offering them words of greetings, 
sitting places, water for washing their feet, and water for their for drinking, flower garlands, incense, and sandalwood paste. So this is the customary way of greeting a guest, which is being uh, being practiced in ISKCON in many areas. Often we don't do that also. <laughs> like anyway, uh, and then uh, Krishna actually spoke that that coming across personalities like you is a matter of great fortune. Why, why it is so, why it is considered to be so fortunate or so auspicious to come across a saintly personality? Because by coming in contact with them, we get to know something which is most important for us. Because when a saintly person, wherever he goes, what does he do? He motivates them to become devotees of the Lord. And not only they motivate them to become devotees of the Lord, they also make them understand why they should do that. They actually, in simple words, they take them out of the bodily platform and situates them in the spiritual platform. Otherwise, in the mundane world, people are generally lost in their materialistic activities. Materialistic activities means the activities that are pertaining to the body's comfort and body's uh, prosperity. So the whole material world is going in one direction and it's the saintly personality who comes and reminds them about uh, the importance of spiritual life. In that respect we can consider one analogy. A person lost his way, you're thirsty for water but the water is there. And he gives him the direction of where the water is. And not only that, uh, he pulls out a bottle of water and gives it to him, says, drink it. Says, Just drink it. And then, uh, we become convinced, yeah, he knows where the water is because he has the water himself. So who is that person who comes in the middle of the desert to show us the way to the oasis? Yes, the saintly personalities. Because they have the informations about where the real water is. And then they guide us, don't run after the mirage, go towards the real Oasis. And not only that, he pulls out a bottle of water, drink it. <laughs> not only he gives us the way or shows us the way to the spiritual world, which is full of eternity, knowledge and bliss, but he gives us the water and says, 
like taste it, drink it. Even now, here, being in the middle of the desert, our thirst is quenched because He has given us the water. So that is how, <clears throat> that is why the association of saintly people is so important. And then again, the consideration is, as I just discussed a little while ago, just wearing the saffron cloth is not the identity of a saint. The identity, the real identity of a saint is what he speaks about. Therefore, Prabhupada often used to tell us that don't see a sadhu, don't try to see a sadhu with your eyes. See the sadhu with your ears. You have to see the sadhu with your ears, then only you'll be able to recognize who is one and who is not. So those who are really <clears throat> saintly, how do we recognize them? From the way they speak. The informations that they provide. That is the way. Like just external appearance can be misleading as we are seeing nowadays. And so many people, the worst kind of crooks wearing the saffron cloth, they are just misleading people, cheating people. Therefore it's the way to see the sadhu is through the ears, not through the eyes. See what information is giving. And when, or and whether that information is relieving us from our suffering condition. Whether these informations are providing a way back to our, the world of eternity, knowledge and bliss, the way, the world of immortality, whether they, his words are guiding us, leading us out of this suffering condition of the world of death, whether these words are bringing us to immortality, whether these words are giving us the information about the another reality where we actually came from, and whether these informations are filling our hearts with joy. So, <clears throat> then the, those saintly personalities started to speak to Krishna. They, I mean, started to speak about Krishna actually. They said, your power of illusion has totally bewildered us. The most exalted knowers of the truth <clears throat> and leaders among the universal creators. Uh, how amazing is this? Is the behavior of the Supreme Lord. He covers himself with his human-like activities and pretends to be subject to superior control. Uh, the way Krishna was behaving at that time, he was behaving apparently just like an ordinary person. So that's what uh, they're saying, that's what, what is bewildering them. Or they're feeling uh, so wonderful 
that look the way the Lord is behaving because in one hand they recognized who Krishna is and at the same time they have seen Krishna behaving in a certain way. Indeed the human-like pastimes of the Almighty are simply a pretense. Effortlessly he alone sends forth from his self this variegated creation maintains it and then swallows it up again, all without becoming entangled, just as the element earth takes on many names and forms in its various transformations. So in this way they started to uh, describe what Krishna's qualities And this is a very beautiful statement. Today our birth, education, austerity and vision have all become perfect because we have been able to associate with you. The goal of all saintly persons, indeed you yourself are the ultimate supreme blessing. So in this way, first they spoke to Krishna and then Vasudev came and spoke to them. And then they started to tell him also. Learned authorities who see through the eye of scriptures have demonstrated that this is the easiest method of subduing the agitated mind and attaining liberation and that it is a sacred duty which brings joy to the heart. Now, what is that that brings joy to the heart? Devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And they are pointing out this is the most auspicious path for a religious householder of the twice-born order to selflessly worship the personality of Godhead with wealth honestly obtained. <coughs> so this is how uh, the, the meeting actually took place in Kurukshetra. Uh, between first Krishna actually met with other family members and then he met with these saintly people, the sages and then the gopis told him. So this is also leads to another anecdote. So when Krishna didn't come back for some time he was supposed to come back on a certain date after the, after the, the solar eclipse in Kurukshetra. So they, they started to wonder what happened and then the news reached that Krishna has been kidnapped. And so naturally everyone was in acute anxiety. What? Who dared to kidnap the prince. I mean, as it is, uh, kidnapping human beings is uh, 
a grievous offense, grievous crime, what to speak of kidnapping the prince? So, uh, so they were extremely worried and became very upset. Who kidnapped? The residents of Vrindavan has kidnapped Krishna. So Rukmini Devi took the army <laughs> and she raided Vrindavan with an intention with an intention of chastising them. That uh, how dare they do such a thing? Kidnap the prince. So she raided Vrindavan, arrested the residents of Vrindavan and was about to punish them for this crime. And But before she punished them or gave the judgment, there has to be a proper arrangement for defense. So the public prosecutor <laughs> representing the king's side uh, was Narad Muni. And pleading the residents of Vrindavan side was Lalita Devi. Extremely smart, extremely intelligent. So at one point, so the, her presentation was consideration of stealing or kidnapping comes when it was done against that person's will. But it's not that we, we didn't bring Krishna against his will. He himself wanted to come. We simply assisted him to bring, to come here. Then Rukmini Devi actually admitted, yes, Krishna, although he is in Dwarka, but his heart is always in Vrindavan. During the daytime, Krishna is always absent-minded, as if his mind is somewhere else. And at night, in dream, Krishna calls out to the residents of Vrindavan, the cows. And, uh, so that way we can make out that at night, Krishna goes to Vrindavan in dream. He, he always dreaming about Vrindavan. So then the question came, then why uh, is Krishna's, why Krishna is always obsessed with Vrindavan? Why, why, well, while all the opulence is there in Dwarka, what does Dwarka lack? That Krishna's heart is not there, but his heart is in Vrindavan. So that's what I was just briefly mentioning about yesterday in, uh, in the temple, after the Kirtan. How many of you remember? Uh, what does Krishna <laughs> lack? <laughs> he has everything. He lacks only one thing. And he is craving to get that. Is hankering for that. Love. So Lalita Devi's point actually was that Krishna is Krishna is always 
or rather Krishna is not satisfied being in Dwarka uh, because his heart is always in Vrindavan. And why his heart is always in Vrindavan? Vrindavan, if Vrindavan wanted, Vrindavan could have all the opulence. Because in Vrindavan, although it's a forest, all the trees in Vrindavan are desire trees. So desire tree can fulfill any desire. The land of Vrindavan is made of Chintamani, touchstone. And the cows that Krishna is tending are Surabhi cows. So if they wanted, they could get anything in Vrindavan, everything in Vrindavan. But the residents of Vrindavan don't want anything but Krishna. All they want is Krishna because of their love for him. Due to their intense love, they only want Krishna and they don't want anything else. So this is how that Rathajatra episode, I was about to say ended, but then I was, then it occurred to me, no, it actually began. At that point, Rukmini Devi uh, admitted that I heard Krishna's dealings with the gopis. I heard about rasa dance. So I would like to see the rasa dance of Krishna. So the rasa dance was arranged. Uh, Krishna danced with the gopis in Vrindavan. And at that time, Rukmini said, Oh, what did I see? It's the most amazing thing. Then the gopis said, What did you see? You saw nothing. <laughs> because the residents of Vrindavan, the residents of Vrindavan were residing at the outskirts of the city, in the forest area, because they're the cowherd people. They brought the animals, so, and they had that dance in there, not exactly in Vrindavan. So that's the point that this dance was nothing compared to the dance that we dance in Vrindavan with Krishna. So that leads to, huh, after that, uh, uh, leads to another episode. Bosudev found out now who Krishna and Balaram are. It's not that he doesn't know, but after he heard from the sages who Krishna Balaram are, his curiosity or interest increased. So he wanted to hear about Krishna, hear from or receive advice from Krishna. So Vasudev uh, told addressing Krishna, O Krishna, best of yogis, O eternal Shankarshan, I know that you too are personally the source of universal creation and the ingredients of creation as well. You are the source of creation and you are the ingredient for creation as well. You are the supreme personality of Godhead who 
manifest as the Lord of both nature and the creator of nature. Everything that comes into existence, however, and whenever it does so, is created within you, by you, from you, for you, and in relation to you. These are the words of Vasudev. O Transcendental Lord, from Yourself You created this entire variegated universe, and then You entered within, in Your personal form as the Super Soul. In this way, O Unborn Supreme Soul, as a life force and consciousness of everyone, You maintain the creation. See, the words are so that's why the prayers are so important. These prayers are so full of, uh, full of meaning, full of understanding. So Vasudev, uh, what is he actually saying? In simple words, although you appeared as my son, but you are unborn. I know that you are unborn. You don't need to take birth. It is just your pastimes. And probably you have done that because you know that we desired to have you as our son. That's why you fulfilled our desire. And the entire creation is your creation. You arranged it. Everything is being maintained by you yourself. And then everything will merge into you. Everything will go back into you at the time of annihilation. Everything will be everything will be absorbed, everything will be everything will go back to you. Whatever potencies the life air and other elements of universal creation exhibit are actually all personal energies of the Supreme Lord. For both life and matter are subordinate to Him and dependent on Him, also different from one another. Thus everything active in the material world is set into motion by you, the Supreme Lord. The glow of moon, the brilliance of fire, the radiance of the sun, the twinkling of the stars, the flash of lightning, and the permanence of mountains and the aroma and sustaining power of the earth, all these are actually you, meaning uh, they are coming from you. Okay, I'll just skip some more. Then, by good fortune, a soul may obtain a healthy human life an opportunity rarely achieved. But if he, is non, if he is nonetheless deluded about what is the best for him, O Lord, your illusory maya will cause him to waste his entire life. So the human form of life comes with a wonderful opportunity. When you get the human form of life, we not only get developed intelligence, we also get the ability to expand our consciousness. 
so much so that we can conceive the inconceivable in our consciousness. Now that is the unique aspect of the human form of life, which the demigods even don't have. That's why human life is considered to be so special. But after getting this opportunity, if one doesn't take the, take advantage, it's just a waste of a life. So once again, that is why spreading this information, distributing this knowledge of Krishna consciousness is so important. We must give it out to others. We shouldn't just keep it to ourselves thinking, okay, now my life has been successful. No. That is there, our life naturally has been successful since we have accepted the process of Krishna consciousness. But we have the responsibility to distribute it to others also. And by distributing it, we enrich ourselves. This is one thing, the more we give, the more we get. Therefore, one should not be miserly. Material things, the more we give, the more we lose. But this is one asset. That is, more we give, the more we gain. Therefore, why should we hesitate? Let's go out and give it as much as possible. And the other consideration is, important consideration is, we should not take this process lightly. We must recognize the value of it. This is the most important thing. We don't really know due to what good fortune we have got this. If we, if we try to assess it, then we can see that this is something that's rare for even Lord Brahma. What to speak of other living entities, even the most exalted personality in this universe, Lord Brahma, doesn't have access to Krishna consciousness to the way, to the extent that we have it, due to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. They have information up to Vaikuntha, but practically no, very little information about Vrindavan. General understanding is that Krishna's Vrindavan past, Krishna of Vrindavan uh, is just a pastime, is an incarnation of Kshirodakshri Vishnu. But what is the real understanding? Uh, Krishna is not an incarnation, Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. All the incarnations are coming from Him. Eti Chamsha Kala Pumsha Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. Avatara Hi Asankhayo. Before that, it has been stated. There are innumerable avatars, innumerable incarnations. Avatara Hi Asankhayo. But Eti Chamsha Kala Pumsha. They are parts and parcels of Krishna. Not parts and parcels, they are parts and expansions of Krishna. But Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of God. After describing about different incarnations and admitting that there are innumerable incarnations is being established that Krishna 
is the origin of all the incarnation. Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam. And that Krishna resides in Vrindavan. Aradha Bhagavan Brajeshutanai Staddhama Vrindavanam. His abode is Vrindavan. And where is Vrindavan? Is Vrindavan a temporary manifestation in this material nature? No. Vrindavan is the topmost region of the spiritual sky, the region which is beyond Vaikuntha. You are not our sons, but the very lords of both material nature and its creator, Mahavishnu. As you yourself have told us, you have descended to read the earth of the rulers who are heavy burden upon her. Then Krishna then appreciated his father also. Let me see. Anyway, anyway, maybe you can just read this part. Not only I, but also you, along with my respected brother and these residents of Dwarka, should all be considered in the same philosophical light. O best of the Jadus, indeed, we should include all that exists, both moving and non-moving. The Supreme Spirit Paramatma is indeed one. He is self-luminous and eternal transcendental and devoid of material qualities. But through the agency of the very modes he has created, the one supreme truth manifests as many amongst the expansions of those modes. Then Devaki tells Krishna that Krishna, we heard that you brought the lost son of your guru back to life. So I also lost six of my sons. So why don't you bring them back? <laughs> and it is said that when your spiritual master ordered you to retrieve his long dead son, you brought him back you brought him back from the forefathers abode as a token of remuneration for your Guru's mercy. Please fulfill my desire in the same way, O Supreme Master of all Yoga Masters. Please bring back my sons who were killed by the King of Bhoja so that I may see them once again. Thus entreated by their mother, Balaram and Krishna employed their mystic yoga maya, mystic yogamaya potency and entered the region of Sutala. So in Sutala Loka, 
there was the king of the demons, Bali Maharaj. And Bali Maharaj, as you know, is a, one of the Mahajans. So when Krishna and Balaram arrived there, he greeted him with greatest honor. King Bali said, Obeisances to the unlimited Lord, Ananta, the greatest of all beings, and obeisances to Lord Krishna, the creator of the universe, who appears as the impersonal absolute and the super soul in order to disseminate the principles of Shankha and Yoga. So then uh, he asks Bali Maharaj to bring back the sons that his mother lost. Then Krishna actually told Bali Maharaj, the Supreme Lord said, During the age of the first Manu, the sage Marichi had six sons by his wife Urna. They were all exalted demigods, but once they laughed at Lord Brahma when they saw him preparing to have sex with his own daughter. Because of that improper act, they immediately entered a demoniac form of life. And, that, and thus they took birth as sons of Hiranyakashipu. The goddess Jogomaya then took them away from Hiranyakashipu and they were born again from Devaki's womb. After this, O king, Kamsa murdered them. <clears throat> so we wish to take them from the place to dispel their mother's sorrow, then release from their curse and free from all sufferings, they'll return to their home in heaven. Sukadeva Goswami continued, After saying this, Lord Krishna and Balaram, having been duly worshipped by Goli Maharaj, took the six sons and returned to Dwarka, where they presented them to their mother. When she saw her lost children, Goddess Devaki felt such affection for them, that milk, fo milk flowed from her breasts. She embraced them and took them onto her lap, smelling the heads again and again. So this is how Krishna and Balaram uh, this brought the six sons back to Devaki and then uh, lovingly she let her sons drink from her breast which became wet with milk just by their touch. She was entranced by the same illusory energy of Lord Vishnu that initiates the creation of the universe. By drinking her nectarian milk, the remnants of what Krishna himself had previously drunk, the six sons touched the transcendental body of the Lord, Narayan, and this contact awakened them to their original identities. They bowed down to Govinda, Devaki, their father and mother, and Balaram. And then, as everyone looked on, they left for the abode of the demigods. Seeing her sons return from death and then depart again, saintly Devaki was struck with wonder. O king, she concluded, that this was all simply an illusion created by Krishna. 
Thank you all very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Shri Krishna Balaram Ki Jai. Krishna's Dwarka Leela Ki Jai. Samabetu Bhakta Vrindra Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandeya.